Hi friends, my name's Will and you're listening to the Spiritual Misfits Podcast. If you've ever found yourself on the fringes of Christian faith, this is a safe space for you. Your questions, doubts and hopes are all welcome here. We're creating conversations, affirmations, meditations and other resources to support you on your spiritual journey and let you know that even if you feel like a misfit, you don't have to feel alone. Well, hello out there, dear listener. Do you consider yourself to be a spiritual misfit? Or are you merely curious about what's going on here? Either is fine. You are very welcome to join the crew. There are some very exciting interviews coming up, some stories and perspectives I'm really looking forward to sharing here with some beautiful friends and guests Um, and some really exciting affirmations and other kind of resources to help you with your spiritual practice. Um, But this week, I wanted to just share with you a story. It's actually a piece of writing I wrote for our website, spiritualmisfits.com.au. So it was primarily created as a piece of writing and you can go and just read it in that form if you would like to. But I thought, hey, why not just record it? So there's something that goes up on our podcast feed this week. And if you're someone who prefers to listen, you can still still hear the story. And the reason I also wanted to share it is because I think it's pretty timely with what's been happening with the good old religious discrimination bill or should I say, the not-so-good-old religious discrimination bill. Not a huge fan of trying to secure the right to discriminate in Jesus' name. That seems like a massive contradiction to me. And uh, as much as I think that people should be free to practice their faith, um, I think that ultimately a lot of the public discussion has just been hurtful and harmful to people that have already experienced much pain. And this week I sat with one of my friends. We were not talking about that at all, but I sat with one of my friends who has experienced rejection in this sort of space. And when I got home, I felt like there was just this this piece of writing that just needed to come out of me. I didn't plan to write this. It's just sometimes sometimes there's something there and you sit down and it pours out. So this is for my very good friend and I hope that um, in listening to it, it moves you in a direction towards greater love and inclusion. It's called Jesus Still Weeps. This week, my friend showed me the rejection letters. Not from a publishing house rejecting a manuscript, not from a university rejecting an enrollment. The letters are from the church she grew up in, and the rejection is of her. This dear friend I admire so much. The letters lay it out clearly. We love you. We are for you. But due to your lifestyle, we must distance ourselves from you. You've gone beyond the bounds of God's grace and the Bible's clear teaching. We urge you to change. Otherwise, there's no place for you here. Oh, and did we mention it's because we love you? Yes, I'm paraphrasing. But trust me, the actual thing was much worse. So what did she do to deserve being excommunicated from the faith community she was raised in? Had she assaulted someone? Stolen from the offering plate? 
worse. She had shared openly about the agonizing journey she had been on to come to accept her sexuality. She had dared to believe that God loved her as she was. She had shared this with her people, the ones she had considered to be as close as family, and in their response, casually construed as love, they had made it abundantly clear that she was no longer welcome. The dates on the letters are from many years ago. The letters have accompanied my friend to psychology appointments where she has done the brave and difficult work of processing this painful and manipulative act of rejection. They have moved houses with her and travelled with her through several years of pain, not limited to this rejection, but also encompassing relationship breakdown and long-term physical illness. Perhaps the letters are a testament to her survival, like a piece of debris from a car crash. Perhaps they serve as evidence that she has not twisted or exaggerated her story over the years. They are a sobering reminder that her experience was not imagined, it was real. And here I was being shown them for the first time, and they still dripped with the sting of poison, the barrel of the gun still smoking. As I read them, I felt the strange mix of emotions that always accompanies the experience of someone courageously opening up their wounds. I ached for my friend. I was grateful for the trust she extended me. I saw and celebrated her resilience, the muscles she possess that only grow through suffering. This place, the presence of the wounds and the grief and the pain I believe it is strangely and profoundly sacred. I feel the presence of God in such a place, perhaps more so than when I have stood in large crowds of people singing upbeat worship songs. And in that very moment, it felt very much like Jesus was there, weeping, aggrieved, like when he heard of the death of Lazarus, perhaps even knowing he was going to resurrect him, Jesus wept. I hold this seed of hope in my heart that Jesus will still reconcile and redeem all things and all people everywhere. And at the same time, I am sure he continues to weep. There he was, with us, in the aftermath of religiously stamped punishment. A familiar place for the crucified Christ. And somehow... My friend's attitude towards these people remains gracious. She speaks of how she held such attitudes once. She says these people were well-intentioned. The wounds are still there, but she speaks with more sadness than resentment, more heartache than outrage. Of one thing I am sure in this situation, my friend here, is the one who tangibly embodies the presence of Christ. She has suffered deeply and yet is not consumed by easily justifiable hate. Grief, yes. Anger, yes. But even in all this, I sense the presence of divine love in and through her. Later, as I drove home, aching with the weight of my friend's story, I wondered... Why is Jesus so often misrepresented, his message of love so distorted and contorted? I know I must do this too. I am not claiming to fully understand how Jesus looks in each and every situation. 
Yet I emphatically reject the notion that Jesus would ever sign his name to a rejection letter, exiling someone from the community they grew up in for humbly and vulnerably sharing their true inner world. As I thought about all of this, in my mind's eye, I saw the disfigured face of Christ. Bleeding brow, eyes black and blue, lips cracked open. He looked at me, hauntingly locking eyes with my gaze. And in that moment, I wondered, are we still crucifying him? Are we still nailing him to crossbeams? Are we still forcing God into torturous positions? And even so, I heard the echo of his words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it feels like it is all always happening. The weeping, the crucifying, the not knowing what they are doing, the Father forgive thems. And if the weeping and the crucifying continues, I must hold hope that the resurrection is always happening also. That people like my friend do not have to stay where the nails were inflicted. The wounds may remain, but love does not stay on the cross. The message of Christ remains for the exiled and rejected ones, for the religious outcasts. And so if I want to find Jesus, I will not look in the church that uses his name to kick someone out. I will sit in the courtyard of the one who was rejected. And there we three will weep and hold out hope for resurrection. You can read that story again if you want um, on the website certainly was a situation that moved me uh, in all kinds of emotions, but the prevailing one was this sense that Jesus is with us in the weeping. If this is an area of theology that you are still thinking through, there are such good resources out there today, people that have done the work around what a robust LGBT-inclusive theology looks like. And if it's important for you to be able to back that up with the Bible or if it's important for you to have that fit within a consistent theological framework, then there are people that have done that work. And I'm not telling you what to think, but if you haven't engaged with various perspectives here, if you haven't engaged with what it would look like to have a more inclusive view, then on our website where this post is, there are some resources at the bottom that you might want to go and check out My friends, be kind and let's stop sending letters of rejection that should never be sent. Bless you. Spiritual Misfits Podcast is brought to you by Meeting Ground, a church for the misfits. Sign up to receive the Sunday message email each week by heading to spiritualmisfits.com.au where you'll also find a range of content to support you where you're at. If you know someone who this would help or encourage, please share the love and give us a rating and review online or feel free to send us a message via our website. We'd love to hear from you. Catch you next time.